President and CEO of the Better Government Association here with us. And what is going to be an historic day here in Springfield, the Illinois General Assembly convening. The House is going to be at the BOS Center. And according to multiple sources, they're going to try to do the entire Springs session worth of work in three days. They have to get a budget together. They have to figure out what the governor's powers are in a, in a global health crisis. And before they do any of that, they got to figure out if they're going to make people wear face masks in, in the General Assembly. David, we've never seen anything quite like this. Right. It's going to look like a big bank robbery. Everybody running into this, the dome or the, and into the uh, Springfield Center you know, with fitting. masks on. Everybody except maybe a handful of Republicans who are holding out and claiming that the the uh, order to wear masks uh, violates their rights. And, and we'll see how this ultimately plays out. Yeah, they're going to start this off with a vote on these rules, including the face mask requirement. And based upon what we've heard from multiple people there, it looks like that's going to pass. And then several lawmakers are going to have to decide whether or not they're going to defy those rules. And if they do, they could be escorted from the House floor. It could make for a very interesting showdown, a lot of dramatics and a lot of theatrics on a day when we don't really have time for that because there are crushing issues this legislature has to resolve and they have to do it quickly. Right. Uh, time is going to be of, of the essence. And let's hope that if this happens, it's just a, a brief sideshow that does not distract the legislature from the really important business at hand, uh, basically handling the entire COVID response uh of the state in three days while also passing a budget that also needs to respond to the pandemic. And so, as you said, Jim, there's huge work to be done here and very little time for uh, petty distractions that are very politicized as regards this whole face mask issue. Hey, David, I, I did want to jump in here real quick about the budget per se. We had uh, one of our local lawmakers talking about the fact that the budget might be better off to be after May 31st, given the fact that the, we still don't know what the federal government's going to help out with. David, is that going to play a factor in how they put this budget together in the next three days, in your opinion? Uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, it does see, you know, we've gone through periods where there was no budget for a while. We saw that under Bruce Rauner for more than eight months. Uh, it did a lot of damage to the state to have it last that long. But one can fairly ask the question as to whether uh, passing the budget could wait uh, until a special session held a little bit later this in very early this summer. Um, there's the last couple days that talk has been circulating a lot more and it could well happen uh, because there's so much uncertainty about exactly how much money will be coming from the federal government and under what terms. And it's very important to know that because uh, that can make a big difference in an expected $7.4 billion uh, deficit that the state is facing right now. You know, and uh, the, the deadline of May 31st is only for passing a budget with a, a regular majority. You need a supermajority after that. But the new fiscal year doesn't start until July 1. So there is certainly time uh, to address some of this. The, the biggest challenge, it seems to me, David, and maybe you've heard uh, some things differently up in the Chicago area. We have put the question here to the governor, to lawmakers in both parties with, as you said, that multi billion dollar revenue shortfall where is this budget going to be cut because we're clearly not going to find the revenue to fill that kind of a gap there's going to have to be cuts i've yet really to find a single person who has said where they are willing to cut the budget they've talked about areas they want to protect 
I haven't heard anybody say, here's where I think we should cut. I don't know how we're going to put a budget together unless people are willing to finally face the reality here that, yes, some things are going to have to get cut pretty dramatically. Well, $7.4 billion is not an easy hole to fill. And you're right. Uh, the politicians have been very circumspect, mainly because nobody likes to walk around talking about uh, cuts that may not actually happen. Uh, that ha tends to happen in, in uh, small groups among the leaders and not really among the rank and file, the, the real decision-making uh, that happens. And there are no easy targets, obviously. Uh, it's interesting to look at, say, some of the things that are threatened. For example, Governor Pritzker has indicated that funding for schools might be cut if he doesn't get his progressive tax. Would that possibly indicate that he sees some fat in the budget for schooling? I doubt it, but um, he has indicated he's willing to cut if he doesn't get progressive tax. So we'll, we'll, we'll see over the next few days or maybe if they decide to wait for a, a special session uh, sometime in the next few weeks. We want to come back and talk about the progressive income tax uh, proposal in just a moment. Uh, the, the other, I think, big issue uh, before lawmakers this week is whether or not there will be any attempt to either curb or at least clarify the governor's powers in an emergency. You have to figure if this were happening during Bruce Rauner's uh, tenure and he were imposing uh, certain restrictions that Mike Madigan and uh, and now Senate President Don Harmon uh, would be racing to assert themselves into that process and to have some say in this. But right now, it looks like the, the General Assembly's leadership is willing to let the governor make the decisions and either get the credit or take the heat if things go wrong. Yeah, it is really interesting because of that, uh, that it's easy for the Democratic leadership and rank and file to back the governor now. If it were a Republican governor, uh, the political makeup would be quite different. And we're, of course, seeing another dimension thrown into this with uh, some of the, the uh people in the U.S. House of Representatives, the Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives, trying to put federal pressure on Governor Pritzker by uh, endorsing a move to withhold federal funds uh, so long as he enforces his stay-at-home order against businesses in the state of Illinois. So people like John Shimkus, Darren LaHood, I think that's your congressman, uh, Rod Davis, Mike Bost, Adam Kitzinger, are um, they're they're kind of carrying on that fight in Springfield. So it's not just an intramural squabble here in the state of Illinois. This is taking on a, a national dimension as well. Uh, you know, and as you brought up the congressional delegation, as you noted, yes, they have tried to also inject themselves into this and suggested that federal aid should be uh, withheld from Illinois if uh, Governor Pritzker seeks to, uh, to try to punish uh, communities that are rebelling against his powers. Uh, at the same time, they have even suggested in their uh, letter to the congressional leadership uh, that federal aid should be withheld if Illinois, quote, seeks to raise uh, taxes on small businesses. That is apparently a reference to the progressive income tax because they referenced it earlier in the uh, in the letter there. And we know that uh, top legislative Republicans also want to take this off the ballot. Voters would have the final say on this in November. Uh, but uh, Jim Durkin and Bill Brady don't think that voters should be talking about this in November. Right. And Jim Durkin introduced a resolution to that effect. It's really an interesting sort of gambit on his part. Uh, I don't think he has the votes to stop to to push this through, obviously. But it's a it's again, sort of a ceremonial gesture on his part. It's quite interesting that he's dragging remapping into this because remapping wasn't going to pass if we had a normal uh, legislative session in any event. Uh, and, and it wasn't going to pass as a constitutional amendment. Uh, the deadline was passed for that. Uh, on May 3rd, 
it, it, while the, the BGA was among the groups uh, pushing for a remap, uh, we think it would be really good for uh, government in the state of Illinois if the electoral maps were drawn fairly. Uh, it didn't appear that we had the votes to get that done. And, and so uh, this is, you know, people are scoring political points here. Um, I just hope that when the session is gaveled open, that they really get down to business and um, uh, something like trying to knock the progressive tax uh, plan off the uh, fall ballot is is uh, very unlikely to, to make any headway during this short three-day session. We do this every Wednesday morning. David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association, joins us to uh, give some perspective on what lawmakers are and are not doing, along with other elected officials. With the legislature reconvening this morning, uh, David, uh, we know they have a, a pretty lengthy list of things to try to accomplish in three days. And one thing that does not appear to be anywhere on that list is ethics reform. Remember when that was looking like it was going to be the big issue in the 2020 spring session? Oh, boy. Uh, it's such a huge loss, frankly, uh, Jim, um, uh, because uh, remember also, it seems like a distant memory, when there's this sprawling federal government investigation into corruption in Illinois politics and people like Martin Sandoval, who ran the Transportation Committee uh, in the legislature at the time, was, uh, it, you know, was was bounced because of the, the uh, investigation of him. Um, uh it, this is a loss, except for the possibility that uh, given more time to do this right, perhaps more robust legislation will come about. There was a concern. We had a concern that uh, that in an effort to do something, anything, uh, the legislature would move forward with sort of a window dressing reform bill. And here's hoping, uh, and, and in Illinois, one hopes with trepidation because our hopes almost never come to pass. But here's hoping that they'll take the extra time and really do this right and take on really structural ethics reform that helps uh, nip this corruption problem that this state has in the bud. And you said that all with a straight face, David. Congratulations on that. That was uh, well, well done. On your part, uh, is there anything else you're you're hoping, perhaps hoping against hope for, out of the legislature here in these next three days? Well, um, uh, maybe this is a parochial concern, but but I, hoping uh, for the benefit of the city of Chicago that work is done on the gambling bill uh, because the the city of Chicago uh, really needs uh, a bailout on that bill. And there are fixes that need to be done that, frankly, would benefit some gambling establishments across the state as well. The gambling bill was one of those Christmas tree bills that was passed more or less in the dead of the night at the end of the spring session last year. It had a lot of problems, some of which were addressed during the veto session late last year, but there's still some more work to be done there. And so fixing that gambling bill, I think, would be a big help. And then the other is the um, uh, Medicare reimbursement issue that also needs to be addressed uh, in, in the COVID environment. Uh, we, we need to address all any sort of health care issues that are out there because that's the most pressing issue, social issue of our time. And so uh, I, I expect and, and hope that the, the legislature will set, a, set time aside to really address uh, the, the broader health care issue uh, in this state.
We also want to remind you that the Better Government Association website is a great resource on these and many, many other issues, including the PolitiFact Illinois Fact Check Service. And since we have last convened a week ago, David, there's a new fact check up that relates to one of our local officials, uh, Congressman Darren LaHood. Right. Well, he, Congressman LaHood, like many Republicans, uh, is critical of uh, the um uh, the, the governor's stay-at-home order, and uh, he's trying to make the case that basically the whole COVID problem is based up in the Chicago area. He incorrectly stated that 93% of the cases in the state of Illinois have come from Chicago, and our uh, PolitiFact fact-checker looked into this, and uh, Chicago accounts for 20% of the population of the state. It does have an outside proportion of uh, COVID cases, about 40% of the COVID cases, which isn't surprising because COVID is transmitted in uh, dense population centers like the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. Uh, when we broaden the lens a little bit to say, well, what about Chicago and the Collar counties, DuPage, Kane, Lake, McHenry, and Will, uh, it got to about 90% of the cases. So yes, this is a Northeastern Illinois problem because of the density of the population. But in saying 93% of cases was in the city of Chicago, uh, uh, Darren LaHood made a false claim. Um, if I were doing this, I would have called it pants on fire. But um, but we, we settled with just just false because when we broadened the lens a little bit, it did come kind of close. But that's not the way he stated it. And it's a really good idea, especially in this situation, to, to try to keep things in the proper perspective and make sure we're explaining everything accurately. The BGA keeping people on their toes with that. So, David, how do people reach you and the BGA the rest of the time? I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And here each Wednesday morning, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. Thanks, David. Thank you, Jim.